Blog Talk Radio. studios in the west suburbs of Indianapolis, Indiana, where last weekend was the greatest spectacle of, of, uh, of in the world. I'll tell you what, I'm still, still uh, excited about it, and the race has been over for a week. One of the greatest races we've seen in years, uh, as far as the ending goes. And we're going to get into all of that at the end of the show here with Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast. But it is also time that we get back in the talk of NFL on a more regular basis, a more semi-regular basis. And to help us do that will be Ed Kraft, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com. Going to be breaking down what's going on around the NFL, the Eagles camps, the Colts camps. Uh, certainly, we're going to begin to have the conversations about the OTAs, what happened in the offseason, uh, the implications of new coaches. And, you know, we're just going to start having the, those conversations. Uh, and you can be a part of it, 917-889-8516 is our digits. Also, follow us on the Twitter at tbalance and Facebook, uh, The Balance. So we'll be right back. We're going to start this week off with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SDI.com. He'll be ranking down what's going on in the NFL. And, uh, you know, there's always something between me and Ed. We'll be right back right here on The Balance Radio Network. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, What is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is Great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted. So, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Massa Le Croix 
PK, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Welcome back to the balance. Time to kick things off. My name is Paul Mark Lasalle, Presidente, and what a great day, way it is to kick it off. Make sure you get your Black Rifle Coffee. Eh? Always drink Black Rifle Coffee while I'm doing the show today. We we change things around. It's just black. It's black Black Rifle Coffee. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie uh, Airplane. But I like my coffee strong and black like my woman. It's uh, it's an old it's an old joke, but make sure you're. Uh, <laughs> Make sure you drink some black rifle coffee. The thing about it is, if you don't, if you're not like a super, if you're, if you're a coffee snob and you like all those fancy, uh, fancy schmancy coffees, they got it. BlackRifleCoffee.com. You buy a bag, you give a bag, and a good a good thing. My friend's uh, uh, son is in the Navy, and all they serve on the ship that he's on is the various types of uh, black rifle coffee. And, of course, they give away uh, free Black Rifle merchandise, which they also have. I always get some for my mom and for my son, who's in the Marines. So always good for BlackRifleCoffee.com. But the next best thing to uh, Black Rifle Coffee is Ed Kratz, beat writer of the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, our official NFL contributor. How are you, sir? Hey, good morning, Tom. How you doing? I'm doing good. Good. Have you tried any of this Black Rifle Coffee? Do I need to get you some? I, I have not. I, yeah, you know, that'd be great. I, mean, I, I Hey, I love the commercials. Those commercials are funny. I don't, I don't know where they came from, or, but uh, yeah, I, a, I, I enjoyed they've it. A, they've got a great uh, marketing team out there. And, and, and the thing about it is they, they really true do, truly do back up uh, what they, they've got all the reports and stuff online that you can look at it, what they actually do. So it's, it's good, good stuff. I'll get you back. You know, I'm I'm that kind of guy. I'm in a given mood. I'm in a given mood. <laughs> I'll, I'll, get, I'll, I'll get that out there to you. We'll talk offline. You'll have to let me know what kind you want. So, yeah, uh, sure. did you have a good Memorial Day? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. The, the weather cooperated. <laughs> it was nice. It, huh? uh, yeah, I did. It was, it was a whole week ago, Tom. Come on, you're really pressing the uh, no. pressing my smarticles there. Uh, yeah, no, I had a good time. Yeah, we had a, we had a nice uh, little get together with some family uh, at my sister's house, big swimming pool and the Tahitian pool, and it was uh, it was a good time. So. I saw that. Yeah, my son came I in from New York hanging out with the pool. Yeah. Well, yeah. I have um, to admit, I mean, I'm, I'm spoiled on Memorial Day weekend here in Indianapolis. We had just a whole weekend of racing yeah. festivities. Rain on rain on uh, Friday, Carb Day, uh, thanks to Caesars in their uh, VIP lounge and. You know, download the Caesars app if you do some apping, betting. If you do apping or betting, I don't know if you're just one of those guys who just got to download apps. <laughs> I remember yeah. I first got my yeah. first iPhone. I'm digressing from from topic here. When I first got my first iPhone, I thought this was really cool. I didn't really know how to work it, so they're like, "Oh, we just got to download the app." I'm like, giving that deer in the headlight look. What? <laughs> <laughs> Everything is. Uh, I mean, at work, our insurance is like download the app, and then when you go to the doctor, I got to show them that. I mean, you know, I, we, I don't even use a card anymore. You just I, I throw my phone out there, and it just ding. It's like magic. So yeah, I digress. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's get on topic. Yeah, works. Let's get on topic here. Ed Kraft, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, joins us. Certainly, a great time of the year to start talking about. Uh, the NFL, because uh, we can never start talking about the NFL too early. Uh, but as things get going in the OTAs and stuff, I know I've been uh, following you on Twitter and some of the things that you've got going on. Let's talk about the Eagles. One of the things that I, I just kind of want to just get off the thing, I, I, I kind of am glad to see this. I'm not seeing a lot of other teams do this. Hopefully they'll, they'll follow suit. 
and certainly this this issue with gun violence, you know, what, wherever you stand on on what kind of gun to buy or what kind of gun not to buy, the, the sad thing is that these events have happened, and especially, you know, in Texas and Buffalo, you know, it just seems to be happening more and more and more. You can, you can jump on the political bandwagon and blame a president or blame a congressman or whatever, Whatever that is that you 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 can have your feelings on guns, that's fun. That's your right. Uh, I know I personally like to hunt, fish, you know, protect my home. But the, you know, I also believe there's got to be things in place. So the Eagles went orange, and I'm going to let you explain that and what that means on a Twitter that they sent out uh, a few days ago about going orange. Yeah, um, you're right. Uh, you know, but. The Eagles had this, uh, it's a Wear Orange initiative, and it's really a, a national campaign um, to, you know, just bring awareness to the gun violence that's that's out there. So uh, the Eagles participate in it. And listen, I'll, I'll say this about the Eagles. They are very social aware of what's going on, uh, you know, not only locally but nationally. And, you know, they have things like, they have an Eagles Autism Foundation that has raised over, you know, $4 million in just a couple of years to uh, help, you know, autism research. Uh, you know, they do these playground builds inside some of the poor neighborhoods of Philadelphia. They go to an elementary school and they'll paint murals and work with the children. And, uh, you know, they are very socially conscious of what's happening. And, you know, they, they bring their players along into this. And, you know, Friday we saw the Eagles participate in this Wear Orange initiative where all the players and the staff and the employees of the Philadelphia Eagles wore orange shirts that said, End Philly Gun Violence. So, you know, some of the players were asked about it uh, afterward. And, you know, they gave their take and they said, you know, hey, listen, I'm not into politics, this and that, but something needs to be done. And and, and then Jalen Hurts came out and just right, kind of spoke from his heart. Yeah, it just spoke from his heart. Just, you know, what you get from Hertz isn't just a quarterback. You get a, a very – the more I'm, I'm being around him and, and, and getting to know him, he, he is a genuine, sincere, kind person off the football field. And, you know, he didn't have to talk about, uh, you know, this initiative that the Eagles put out there, but he started his press conference after practice yesterday. Right. And he, Mm-hmm. He spoke from the heart. He he made a statement of about five, you know, maybe three to five minutes, and then there were some questions about it. So, you know, he spoke for 16 minutes in his press conference. The first eight and a half were about gun violence, and part of that included his statement, but then some follow-up questions. And, you know, I have a story on my site, um, you know, si.com backslash NFL backslash Eagles, uh, with just about everything Hurts said. And, you know, it's just very uh, – striking that you know he feels this way and you know he's a part of all this stuff he was part of the playground build the team did earlier in the week at a very poor elementary school in west philadelphia and if you've ever been to west philadelphia and i have it's just a really poverty stricken area where you know kids seem to lose hope quickly um but but anyway so he you know he was part of that and he you know he's part of the eagles autism challenge that raised a bunch of money and uh, you know, he, he's just a genuine guy and, you know, it's hard not to root for somebody like that because, you know, he has yeah. this platform as the quarterback of one of the 32 football teams in the national football league. Um, and he uses that platform, but he doesn't use it just because, you know, it, it's just, it's just not, you know, hollow words. I mean, he means what he says and he wants to get his message out there. And, uh, you know, he was asked as, if this was him giving this, this, you know, this, passionate plea for helping bring awareness to gun violence or was it the eagles that are pushing him and he said look i'm just doing my duty you know this is me and you know he went on and on so i mean listen if you want to read everything he said i mean it's certainly you can hit like i said my site or follow you know hit me on twitter at kratzy k-r-a-c-z-e and i posted the story there and it's you know it's very eye-opening uh to see a quarterback in the national football league uh, do something like this. So I was impressed. I was, you know, I was certainly, you know, on the edge of my seat listening to what he had to say. He's just a very engaging. You can see why people are drawn to this kid. He's just a genuine player or person, and you hope that he can become a good player where he can continue to have this platform uh, and absolutely, maybe, you know, help 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 raise awareness to other things over the next decade. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I we're going to get that tweet, retweet that tweet. Uh, but his quote was, "Whether it's a grocery store, hospital, or elementary school, 
Fear does not belong in those places. And that's that quote from Jalen Hurts referencing that press conference that he had yesterday. Hashtag we're orange. Hashtag end gun violence. So we're going to get that up on social media and make sure that we get your stuff up on social media. Now let's talk a little bit about Jalen Hurts, the football player. Man, he is uh, turning heads in OTAs. I know you wrote wrote a little bit about it as well. Uh, But Jalen Hurts at OTAs apparently – uh, he's everything that Eagles fans like, the media like. Uh, seems like he's winning over the city of brotherly love in the OTAs anyway. That's a, that's a good start, I'd say. Yeah, well, let, let, you know, listen, he, he, there are things that he needed to improve on from last year, and the Eagles have done a good job putting some, some pieces around him, you know, including Zach Paschal, a former Indianapolis Colt there, uh, yeah. was brought in a kind of kind of an under-the-radar signing. He didn't have the kind of year Paschal last year uh, because maybe this because Nick Sirianni wasn't the offensive coordinator. But under Sirianni, who obviously is the head coach here in Philadelphia, now he, he had some good seasons. So, you know, that's one piece. And, of course, A.J. Brown is another. Uh, you have Devontae Smith, who's making the jump from year one to year two, where much is expected from any NFL player going from their rookie season to their second year. Um, but, you know, I, I say all that, but I, but I catch it by saying, listen, we saw 50 minutes of Jalen Hurts at an OTA on Friday in early June. He looked good. There's no question. He, 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 uh, he threw the ball with accuracy, timing. Uh, especially to Devontae Smith. He hit Devontae Smith a couple times deep down the both sidelines for touchdowns. So uh, he looked good. He looked like he was in control of things. His body looks like it's repositioned. It looks like he lost weight, but I asked him afterward if he has lost weight, and he said he still weighs 222 pounds. And I said, well, is it, you know, did you reposition it? Did you repurpose it or repackage it? <laughs> he said, well, that's your – he said, that's your take. He said, I'm still 222, and I'm still really strong. Uh, but, uh, so, but he, he looks like, you know, he, he's still trying to figure out what the off season looks like for him. And he admitted to that. He said, listen, I'm still kind of at the front end of my career here. I'm trying to figure out what to do in the off season. That's going to make me better. So he's still trying to find that, you know, that, that, that solution, I guess, uh, to becoming a better quarterback. So he looked good Friday. There's no doubt. Uh, but listen, like I said, early June, one practice, and the Eagles aren't having many OTAs, Tom. This was only their third one, uh, which is kind of a trend away from what a lot of teams are doing. It used to be used to have, you know, 20 OTA practices, 18 OTA practices. The Eagles are only having six. They started on Tuesday. They have one Thursday. They have one Friday, and then they have three more next week, and then that's it until training camp. Uh, they're not doing any 11-on-11 drills. They're just doing seven-on-seven. Seven. They're just going over fundamentals and technique. Uh, in, in these six OTAs, so uh, it was. It was. It, it, I'll tell you, if he would have come out and looked horrible, then we'd be concerned. But he came out and looked good. But again, 50 minutes, seven on seven, one practice, June 3rd. Let's let's wait and see how things. You know, once the training camp fires start to heat up, uh, we'll see how he does. But I expect that he's going to have a better season passing the ball this year than he did last year. Well, one thing for sure, the Eagles are going to be, have made a big push this offseason to try to win the NFC East crown. And certainly part of two of those big combination pieces that are added in the offseason, James Bradbury and A.J. Brown. Uh, certainly, Bradbury, you got to think, you know, it's one of the best out there that you could have picked up from the Giants. A.J. Brown, all good additions. Uh, to the team there uh, in the offseason. Those are the two most noticeable, but certainly, uh, as, you, as you mentioned, Zach Pasqua and a lot of other underneath the radar, per se, uh, things have been going on or behind the scenes or behind the curtains uh, to to help su- uh, seal the success of the Eagles uh, in the NFC East. Do you agree with that? What are your thoughts on James Bradbury, A.J. Brown, and, and others, for that matter? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, listen, it was uh, back in March when free agency began. The Eagles came out of the gate and signed Hassan Reddick, you know, a, a pass rush mm-hmm. specialist. He's got 23 and a half sacks the last two seasons for two different teams. Uh, the Eagles signed him to a three-year deal, big splash move. Uh, and then after that, you know, things got a little quiet. You know, they signed Zach Paschal a little under the radar. Uh, you know, Kaiser White, they brought him in as a linebacker from the Chargers who had 144 tackles last year. Um, but, you know, 
not these really big, huge, splashy names that fans wanted. And everybody's like, ah, boy, what a bad offseason this is for the Eagles and Howie Roseman. And then next thing you know, the draft comes. And, and listen, this is a marathon, you know, offseason for any NFL team. You know, you, it's not a sprint out of the gate. Like we saw the Jaguars come out of the gate. They had a lot of money to spend, and they're handing it out, you know, like quarters on a street corner somewhere. You know, I mean, it's just – just spending money ridiculously. And it's not who wins free agency, let's face it, that's going to win the Super Bowl. Um, you have to be smart in the offseason. And, you know, lo and behold, the draft comes along, and here are the Eagles with three first-round picks. They only used one of those first-round picks uh, because they traded one for A.J. Brown, and they traded up to get Jordan Davis. Um, you know, Jordan Davis is just a huge guy. He came out and talked to us yesterday, and we had seen him – during his introductory press conferences. And, you know, he's a 6'6", 345-pound player who can move like a deer, really. Uh, Great footwork. He was the anchor for that Georgia National Championship team. And, you know, yesterday was the first time I really stood next to him and talked to him. You know, I don't want to say face-to-face because I was staring at his, you know, I was staring at his chest because he's so much bigger. You're staring at his belly button, (laughs) weren't you? You're doing that belly button stare, weren't you? <laughs> I was I was trying not to look, Tom. I didn't really want to look, but uh, you know. But you're right. I was staring at that belly button. But he's a huge dude, man, and he yeah, and he's a fun he guy. You know, he's out there, he's having fun. But yeah, I think listen, the Eagles did some good things in the off season. Some things that I think that have fans in Philadelphia excited about. You mentioned challenging for the NFC East championship. You know, the Cowboys are the current holders of that title. Uh, It's a weird dynamic in the NFC East where they haven't had a repeat champion since the Eagles did it in 2003 and 2004. I mean, that's like almost 20 years ago since a team has gone back to back with the championship in this division. So I think the Eagles have done enough to really put themselves in position to to challenge the, the Cowboys for that crown. And, I, you know, I don't think you can overlook the, the, the commanders either with Mar- uh, Carson Wentz, um, you know, playing quarterback. We'll see what Carson shows up week to week, you know, in the capital, nation's capital there. Uh, and, and, you know, the Giants have a new coaching staff, a whole new regime. Uh, we'll see what, you know, Brian Dable and company can be. But I – I expect the NFCs to be pretty competitive this year, but I think the Eagles have done enough in the offseason with some of these moves. Reddick, you mentioned Brown. James Bradbury was kind of the icing on the, on the top of the cake there. They brought him in pretty recently, and they needed somebody to play that other cornerback spot opposite Darius Slay, who had a Pro Bowl year last year. So now the Eagles have two, really, two number one cornerbacks, and they have two number one receivers in Brown and Devontae Smith. So I think they've done enough here to – say, yeah, they, they can win this NFC East. And if I had to pick today, I would probably pick them, uh, you know, as champions of the NFC East and, and then see where they go in the playoffs. But long, long way to go before, you know, they can stake that claim. You know, you, you got these final couple OTAs and then, of course, training camp, and you have to stay out of trouble between the time the uh, OTAs and <laughs> There's that. mini camps end. Yeah, you always see it every year, guys, <laughs> to, you know, run, a, run afoul of the law between this, you know, in this kind of dead period between, you know, mid-June to late July. So, yeah, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles seem to be doing the right things. They're up up to 16 in the power rankings in the offseason free agency rankings and 19th in the free agency rankings. So, obviously, Jalen Hurts has has benefited most from that. Colts, you know, uh, they're the number 14 and, you know, Certainly, the player benefited most from the the draft was 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 Kitty Pay, uh, but we we're still going to see how uh, Matt, Matt Ryan does for us at quarterback, and so eager to see. We got 100 days until we start the Colts season. Let's go, go blue. Yeah, I'm not biased or anything, <laughs> you know, but hey, I am in Indianapolis. Well, I got to root for the home team. And, All right, guys, you got uh, Nick Foles. I mean, guys, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah right. Nick Foles walking in that locker room baby. Super Bowl. <laughs> Yeah, with the That's Super Bowl right. ring on his finger, you know, showing guys, hey, this is what we're going to do this year. Let's get another one of these. Absolutely. And you know what? It's been a while since we've had a Super Bowl ring-wearing guy in the locker room. Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Everybody's going to be talking about them, have been talking about them in the offseason. Obviously, uh, the guard Gordy Ford uh, really benefited most from the draft, and uh, they certainly – they didn't really address a lot of their interior offensive line in, in that area, and it, it remains – a need for the Bills. Uh, but it would not be a surprise for them to add a veteran or two to training camp to see what happens. Thoughts on the Buffalo Bills? Well, you know, listen, if they can cover a, a, a kickoff, 
uh, you know, wasn't it the kickoff last yeah. year? Yeah, hurt here them. we go. Uh, you know, here we go. That's all they needed to do is work this summer on how to handle, you know, cover a kickoff. That's all they needed to work on. I mean, this is that's a team right. ready to ready to make the push here. But uh, and that's a team, you know, if you're a Colts fan, and I know you're one of the biggest, Tom, uh, you have to. <laughs> uh, you, you, that's going to be one of your hurdles if you want to go play in Arizona and Super Bowl, whatever it is, LX dash whatever these Roman numerals are, if you want to go play in that yeah, in February. Yeah, I know. I know. It's ridiculous. But uh, if you want to play there, you got to, that's a hurdle. You know, the Buffalo Bills are one of the best teams in the AFC. And then, of course, you still have the Chiefs. That It'll be interesting to see how they look without Tyree Kill. Um, you know, but there, there's good teams in that AFC, man. I mean, that AFC West is stacked with the Chargers and, you know, Russell Wilson's now over mm-hmm. there in the AFC and, um, yeah, you know it's going to be tough, and the and the Bills are certainly, in my opinion, at, at the top of that uh, at the top of that heap. Um, so I don't know if, if the Colts play the Bills in the regular season this year or not. But um, at some I don't point think along they do, the line, actually, you figure. Is... Yeah. Well, I, I think so at some Ram... point along. Uh, yeah. No, go ahead. Finish your thought. I apologize. No, I was going to say at some at some point I think the Colts are going to have to play them, whether it's a regular season or. If the Colts can get in the playoffs, they're gonna they're gonna match up, I think, at some point because that's really that's the high bar. That's the bar you have to get over to get get to the Super Bowl is the Buffalo Bills. Well, you gotta like the Rams also out there on on the West Coast, yeah. and certainly Matthew Stafford and the Rams. Uh, uh, you know they they're just the real deal. I mean the real deal. They got Von Miller. You know they. Austin Corbett, you know, they're, they're just a lot of players, a lot of combinations with the Los Angeles Rams. So if you're a Rams fan, this is a good year to be following them. Yeah, uh, no doubt. I mean, they're the Super Bowl champs, but, you know, we don't see repeat winners of the Super Bowl very often, um, and there's a reason for it. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the kind of that complacency or – or that intensity level not being able to be reached again. You already have been there, done that. Maybe that sapped some of your motivation, you know, whether it's subconsciously or not, you know, I mean, it, there's a reason teams don't often go back to back in the Super Bowl, but the Rams are equipped to do it. Uh, they didn't lose much, if anything at all, from that roster. Um, but we'll see, you know, if that motivation is still there, that drive to be great and to win a national, you know, title after having already done it the year before. So um, we'll see. I mean, you know, Aaron Donald is talking about possibly retiring. and um, But right now everything seems pretty good out in, out there in la-la land. So uh, you can't overlook them in the NFC, no doubt. Uh, they're going to be a team that, like the Bills in the AFC, you're going to have to get past the Rams in the NFC. Well, we look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I was still got a, a couple more minutes here. Uh, you know, you know, Tom Brady. <laughs> we just done talking about. You know, I thought he was going to be tired, and he, he just, you know, he was a big tease, like the prom date. You know, come on, Tom Brady, <laughs> forty-five year old, be probably forty-six. He'll be, he'll be the only he'll be the only uh, quarterback in his nineties. They'll set a record that way. Watch it happen. <laughs> he might. Not, well, 90. We'll, we'll, be a, we'll be 120 before he gets in the Hall of Fame. Uh, <laughs> thoughts on the Buccaneers? Well, I won't stop. Yeah, that won't keep me alive uh, looking forward to that. Tell you. That might kill uh, me there, sooner than later, yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll need other motivation to live to 120. Uh, than waiting for Tom Brady to get in the Hall of Fame. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, listen, it, it's, it's still a roster that looks pretty good to me. I mean, I, you know, there were some questions about who they'd bring back. Now, you know, Gronkowski's not signed. He's still out there floating around the tight end. Who knows what's going to happen with him. But, you know, you know, Brady thought we, he was retired and he was he was gone and, you know, the NFC would be wide open, but he's back and, What's he going to be? Forty-four or forty-five this this fall? I, I'm not sure. I'm losing 45. track. But he, pretty sure. Forty-five. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty, so, pretty sure. So yeah, but I, I think you're right. That sounds right. Um, yeah, he, he makes this team a, a, a threat for the Super Bowl just because of who he is and you know what he does and 
Uh, you know, it's a roster that's still pretty similar. Uh, they added another defensive tackle to play next to Vita Vea, and I, don't, I can't remember his name, but they just signed somebody recently uh, to play D-tackle. And, I mean, they're, you know, their defense is still really good. I mean, everybody looks at Brady, but that defense uh, is pretty good, too. You're going to have to score points to beat this team, and uh, it's going to be hard to do against this defense. So, yeah, I mean, you can't – you know, the Bucks are certainly one of those teams in the NFC that are going to make a Super Bowl push because they have Brady, but – they have other parts too. So the Rams, the Bucks, maybe the Packers. I mean, the Packers have been the number one seed the last two years with Aaron Rodgers, but they've fallen flat on their face and haven't been able to even uh, get to the Super Bowl as the number one seed. So, you know, but they're still they still have Aaron Rodgers. I'm not sure how good the rest of that team is. I think if anybody, if I had to pick right now, anybody that could be headed for you know, kind of a disappointing season, it could be the Packers. Um, but you know, again. We still have a lot of a lot of road to cover here before the start of the season, but you know it's coming quick. Under 100 days now, I think, till the season kicks off. So uh, that's right. It'll be here. It'll be here. It'll be here fast. I hope not. I, you know, I like the summer. I want to enjoy my summer. Um, so, you know, hopefully it slows down. Well, before we wrap it up and put a bow on it, I want to talk about your second favorite team in the NFL, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, you know, we, we look at who, who benefited from the. Uh, the draft, Micah Parsons, uh, you know, he's the Swiss Army knife for the Cowboys. He can be a linebacker, he can be a pass rusher, but, you know, the Cowboys selected Sam Williams in the second round, and, and uh, maybe they could they would have kept that plan in place, but Williams does present the Cowboys and the Parsons with more, uh, and Parsons are with more options. Uh, Williams uh, uh, is, is, is a huge addition to the Dallas Cowboys, uh, so we'll see what happens, but what are your thoughts in the preseason? Uh, the power rankings in the offseason right now got them at eight, but the Dallas Cowboys. Well, I think with the Cowboys, they, they lost a lot of guys on the offensive line. And, um, you know, they have some, they had some good depth there last year. Now some of this depth is going to have to step up and, and play as starters. So, you know, that's going to weaken your depth if someone were to get hurt. So, you know, I, I get it. The Cowboys are ranked high. They they lost Amari Cooper. They traded him to the Browns. Uh, that's a big loss. Now you have C.D. Lamb. You still have Michael Gallup. But, you know, Cooper was thrown to over 100 times last year he was targeted. I mean, that's a big piece to take out of your offense. And like I said, that offensive line, I, you know, I'm not sure it's going to be as good as people think it could be. Um, and that's where it's all going to start. And if you get some pressure on Dak Prescott, you know, he's going to throw it up there and, you know, with the likelihood that he could be intercepted. So I'm not really sold on the Cowboys. Um, I know the national media loves the Cowboys. Um, and listen, <laughs> I, the American you know, I know they're in the, <laughs> Yeah, I know. And, you know, and in Philadelphia, I mean, listen, I, I don't, I don't despise the Cowboys. I mean, you know, I try and look at it as subjectively as I can uh, or objectively as I can, whatever, but, uh, I just I, I just think they have a lot of question marks. I mean, I know, obviously not a quarterback. They like I like their tight ends. They, I guess this kid from Wisconsin, Jake Ferguson, opened some eyes during the rookie uh, part of the off season, the, the OTAs and whatnot. He's opening some eyes. So, you know, I like Dalton Schultz a lot as a tight end. Uh, but, you know, Prescott is prone to turnovers. Ezekiel Elliott's been in the league now seven years. I mean, you know, what does he have left? I'm sure he still has something left, but he's not the same player as he was seven years ago. Uh, and that offensive line, and you mentioned the defense. Yeah, Michael Parsons so is great rookie of the year. Ed, yeah. Yeah, real quickly, as as we know in this show, things change from time to time. Do you have some extra time to stick around with us with the conversation? Uh, because we got to bring on Tony. I know he's having some plumbers, and he's only got a few minutes. So, are you good to stay on for a little bit after Tony talks a little bit about the uh, IndyCar? Uh, yeah, I can stay on a little bit. Okay, great. Appreciate. It. We'll continue yeah. the conversation with the NFL. Joining us now, Tony Donahue for the Tony D Podcast. Tony, uh, sorry to hear that you've got uh, the rainfalls from the ceiling and plumbers are coming your way. So we don't have a lot of time with you today. Uh, it's good to catch up with you last week at the Indianapolis Motors Speedway. Real quickly, let's get a recap of what, and, and maybe it's just me, but that's one, a race that we're going to be talking about for the next 40 years on how it ended, and two, probably one of the best and one of the fastest races we've seen in Indianapolis 500 history. 
What are your takeaways? What are your recaps? Obviously, Marcus Harrison winning the Indianapolis 500 after uh, Jimmy Johnson hits the wall. Uh, Tony, welcome to the balance. Let's do this recap, sir. Yeah, I thought the red flag was the right decision. You know, they didn't go red flag back in 2020 because uh, there was la- they're on lap 196, and you've got to you got to have at least four laps left to red flag because you at least want to give them two laps of green, but you got to reset the field, open up the pits when guys come through. So, um, you know, on lap 194, you had enough. I'm glad that the red flag didn't come back to bite Marcus Erickson. You know, this is a guy that you know was probably told yellow, yellow, yellow and had a four-second lead and thought, well, that's it, I'm winning this race. And then when the red flag came, you probably thought, well, they might have just taken it from me. So I was kind of – I was glad that I didn't, uh, I didn't buck him at the end, but glad that, uh, you know, Pottable Ward went for that move, didn't quite make it in the one, and then the yellow came out with Sage Karam's accident. Uh, yeah, it was a good race. You know, when we talked last Saturday time, I said, there's going to be a couple guys that, that had their days ruined in pit road, and it happened to be the top two contenders most of the day. Scott Dixon having the air, Dixon having the air on the final pit stop, one mile an hour over the speed limit. Obviously, Alex Pillow, who was leading the race, came in. Yellow comes out, just terrible timing, terrible circumstances, mm-hmm. knocked those two drivers out. Mister Consistent Marcus Erickson was right there, had great stops, had the fend off Pato Award uh, for the win. So it was a great win for Marcus. Um, you know, I wasn't surprised at all. I, I, I kind of called him to be one of the three guys that would be there at the end. And he was, and this will, this will, uh, this will kind of propel him to, to to more fame. And but really, more than anything, I think it propels to the fans that maybe thought, oh well, he can only win on road and street courses. No, this guy is legit. He can win whenever he goes out there. He's fast. He got his first win at Detroit last year. Backed it up with another street course win in Nashville. Now he's got an Indy 500 to his credit. Um, you know, the sky's the limit right now for Marcus Erickson, who, coming out of Indy now at double points and a fourth-place finish in the Grand Prix, uh, leads the points by 13. So a big shakeup in the overall uh, standings for IndyCar, too. Well, absolutely. You become legit the minute your face gets put on that Born World Grid trophy. That's when you become legit as a, as a race car driver anywhere in the world. And, and coming over from Formula One, Marcus Erickson is the real deal. And, you know, the drivers have been around as long as Scott Dixon's had. You know, there's always things you look back and you say, okay, I could have done this better. That's probably going to be one of the things that he's going to, that's going to haunt him for the rest of his racing career. People say, oh, how can you – how can you speed when, it, when we're going 200 miles an hour? Well, there's a lot of ways that you can speed, and one of those would be uh, pit lane. So that really cost him his day. Very, it, it, You don't want to say rookie mistake, but it just shows that it can't happen to anybody. And one mile may not seem like a lot, but it was enough to, to create chaos at the end of the race. Headed over to, to uh, Detroit uh, on the Canadian border. we got some races this weekend. Uh, what are your thoughts as we look into – uh, Detroit and what's going on up there in the Motor City. Yeah, we had a practice this morning, and, and, and luckily for teams that come off a huge month of May, and luckily for Marcus Erickson, who probably hasn't slept much this week, we only have one race compared to in the years past having two. Um, you know, the last race on Belle Isle. This is the last time they will uh, race at Belle Isle before yeah. they go back downtown to Detroit. So um, that's an interesting yeah. factor as well. Um, this is a very demanding course. Um, you know, Colin Mylott, who was injured in an accident last week and, 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 and broke his hand, said, you know, if it, if, if it was Road America this week, I'd be ready to go. But Detroit is just so daunting. And, you know, those street courses are just so demanding on the body that he couldn't do it. So this is a tough track. Um, it's a track where mistakes are easily made because those walls are so unforgiving. Those walls are, are, are right up against yep. you. You really don't have a lot of room for error. And so when you do – have the back end step out, or you do lose control coming off. I mean, we saw it in practice yesterday with um, with Felix Rosenquist crashing in into the tire barrier. Um, just you know, one of those things where it's very unforgiving, and you got to qualify up front, which comes up later on today. Tony Donahue with the Tony D Podcast. Steve Wilson couldn't join us today. He's sick, uh, so we'll be talking about Gateway on Twitter uh, for the NASCAR uh, fans. And I know you're with BurnoutSports.com, but you also uh, reside here in Indianapolis, uh, in one of the greatest cities in, in the world with, with me. Uh, and I know you follow Colts, and you also follow the NFL. Uh, do you have anything for uh, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, on the NFL topic? You know, I'm just interested to see – you know, we, we, we talk about this every year with the Colts, right? It's like, okay, are they going to be able to 
them move forward and win a championship. And, and Jim Irsay has kind of put them – you would almost – and I, I love Jim Irsay as an owner. But he's almost put them oh, in yeah. a box every year. You have to win the championship. You have to win the Super Bowl. I don't know if Matt Ryan's the guy to do that. Um, I, I do like Matt Ryan. He's a demanding quarterback. He, but, but he just doesn't seem to have the weapons. Uh, my question for Ed, uh, you know, kind of Philadelphia is in the same boat. They've had some recent success, some quarterbacks that bounced around. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I would ask Ed what he would expect out of the backup at Nick Foles. This is a guy that obviously took Philadelphia to the, <laughs> the prominent land. He's, he's bounced around since. Now as the backup to Matt Ryan, you know, if, if something were to happen to Matt Ryan, because, you know, we, we, we've seen this offensive line kind of have some moments for the Colts where it's not looking good. It, does Nick Foles still have it in him in the tank to be able to pick up or maybe Matt Ryan were to leave off if, if unfortunately something were to happen? Well, everybody knows Nick Foles can't play anywhere but in Philadelphia. Right? He's never had any <laughs> success anywhere else. But, yeah. I, uh, you know, the Colts have a little bit of Philadelphia over there with Frank Reich. You know, he was the OC here in Philly when they won it. And those two have a great relationship. Uh, so, um, you know, you can say, hey, Foles hasn't won anywhere else but Philly. He's been given chances, and he's always fallen flat. I think he does get exposed over 16-game seasons, now 17-game seasons. But, you know, if you need a guy to come in, if, you know, Matt Ryan's not being effective or – you know, is banged up. And Matt Ryan has been healthy pretty much his whole career. Uh, but, you know, he is older now. But if he gets hurt, yeah, I think Foles can come in. And with Frank Reich's, uh, you know, tutelage and knowing Frank, I, I think he can help that team win. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if he can catch lightning in a bottle twice. I mean, it's hard to do once, yet alone <laughs> twice. But uh, he could certainly win games, uh, you know, if Matt Ryan were ineffective through half the season or if he gets hurt late in the season or at any point during the season. So, yeah, I think Foles has something left. Yeah, and I just think it it could work in Indianapolis where it hasn't worked anywhere else outside of Philly because of Frank Reich. Hey, hey, uh, Tony, I know we got to let you go, but I'm going to ask you the same question that Ed asked me when when Nick uh, first came to the Colts. He said, "Over, would you go over or under with Nick Foles this year? I said, hopefully under. But what's your take, over or under, with Nick Foles at the quarterback? Well, you know, like Ed said, Matt Ryan's a guy that, that, that stays upright and has been healthy throughout his career. Um, I question maybe some of the mobility that he may have had two to three years ago compared to what he has now. Um, this is an offensive line, as we know, that, that usually has a quarterback on the run. I mean, you think about even Phillip Rivers, you know, he had to get rid of the ball within two seconds because he knew that that guy couldn't scramble yet. Uh, the defense was coming. Um, Wentz could scramble a little bit when he needed to. Um, but I don't see Matt Ryan being any faster than what Carson Wentz was last year. So um, we might see him on the move. I hope not. I do like Matt Ryan. I've always liked Nick Foles. Um, you know, as mentioned, he's a guy that, you know, has only been able to get things done in Philadelphia, but still uh, also a guy that I think is, is, is a solid backup. Um, but, but I think if, you, if you're the Colts, if you're going to your backup, things have probably already gone way too south for your season. Tony Donahue, I appreciate you joining us. I hope you get your leaks fixed and your ceiling. And I know that dealing with plumbers and those people that came out wrong, but you know what I mean, are never any are never any fun. So I hope you get that done. Where can people find your work in Masterpieces, sir? We'll be uh, got you covered all weekend when it comes to IndyCar Burnout Sports.com. We'll see you guys. Have a great one. All right, thanks, thanks Tony. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. If you've not checked out his podcast, it's pretty freaking cool, actually. He has a lot of good race car drivers. He has a lot of across the board, uh, you know, NBA finals. Uh, really, there's not a sport that he doesn't cover. Uh, right now, he's kind of in his uh, racing sport in the back part of, it, of what he does is being the uh, chief editor, content editor or whatever with uh, BurnoutSports.com. And if you're a race fan, especially if you're an IndyCar fan, BurnoutSports.com. Com. Thank you, Tony, for coming on. Ed, thank you for sticking around with us. You got you got a little bit more tank in your juice to finish some NFL conversation? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Okay, great. Well, you know, I we'll just kinda uh, we'll just kinda go back through Yeah. I think I was talking about the Cowboys. Hold on just a minute yeah. here. Apologize. Something was talking in my ears. Usually I I blame that to just normal ear people. Voices in my brain, but that was something different. So, <laughs> okay. So you know, right. we, we were we were talking we were talking about the Dallas Cowboys, um, and 
So let's move on up to up in the lane here to the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts? I mean, they are a a team that you you look at. It's like, well, they've had a, a good season, obviously, and where'd they end up at? Uh, but the the Cincinnati yeah. Bengals. What What are your thoughts? Again, you look at that hangover period. Uh, is Is this going to hit them like a, a brick wall or what? Yeah, it's tough to get back to. Not many teams, like we talked about teams repeating and how hard it is. I think it's even harder for, well, it's just as hard, I would say, for a team that loses a Super Bowl to get back to the Super Bowl the year after. I mean, we saw the Rams lose to the Patriots, you know, I guess it was uh, two years ago or maybe three years ago at this point. But then the following year, they didn't make the Super Bowl, but then they went back and won it. So it's, it's tough to get back to the Super Bowl when you are the losing team. Uh, And, of course, you know, the Bengals were the losing team in the Super Bowl. Great year. Kind of came from out of of nowhere, more or less. Um, But they refortified their offensive line. You know, they put some – that was considered their big weakness was that offensive line, uh, and they've addressed it. They have Joe Burrow, who's one of the, you know, best young quarterbacks in the, in the NFL right now, and I and I think the receiving trio is probably the best trio of any wide receiver groups in the NFL. So, I think if any team's equipped to get back there, it is the Bengals. I know their safety Jesse Bates isn't real happy. He wants a new deal, and there's been talk that maybe the Eagles should try to trade for him because they do have a safety need. Uh, but you know that's what happens when you know every year there's always players that you know, whose contracts need to be addressed. Uh, but I, I think the Bengals are equipped to make another run, to be honest with you. Uh, it's not easy to do, and you need some luck on your side to get to a Super Bowl. Uh, but they certainly have the personnel in place to do it. Uh, if they can regain that motivation and that determination and that drive to want to get back there, uh, then I think they can. Uh, but that AFC, again, is, is awfully strong stronger than the NFC. I mean, you, you could name five teams in the AFC that could go to the Super Bowl, maybe six in the NFC. That's just not the case. Um, but I, they were there. They know how to get there. Can they do it? I think they can. Will they? I don't think they will. Let's talk about the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, Debo Samuel, uh, obviously the wide receiver there benefited most from the draft. The Niners spent the two of their first three picks on a running back and a receiver, which should be uh, beneficial to the quarterback, Trey Lance. Uh, San Francisco 49ers, uh, power rankings in the offseason have them at nine. Uh, certainly uh, Debo Samuel and Trey Lance is going to be a major combination there for the 49ers. We know the 49ers also like to pass the ball and don't run the ball a lot. At least that's been their historicness, if you will. That's been successful for them. Do they change that around and do they create more of a running game this year than their traditional passing game that we've known them to do years after years? Well, you know, here here we have another team that is like the Bengals trying to get back to the Super Bowl after losing. The 49ers went to the Super Bowl a few years ago, lost to the Chiefs, and they haven't been back since. Um, not easy to do. Uh, Debo Samuel now, you know, he requested a trade in the offseason. I mean, how happy is he? Are the 49ers going to pay him what he wants? How much of a distraction will that be? Uh, I am not sold on Trey Lance. I don't know anything about Trey Lance, but I know he couldn't beat out Jimmy Garoppolo last year, who, in my opinion, is a, you know, an average quarterback. And, you know, Trey Lance couldn't find a way to unseat him. So I, I don't know. Or the 49ers sold on Trey Lance? I think there's a lot of questions in San Francisco. Uh, you know, they do like to run the ball. They have a good running attack. They play good defense with Bosa. On one end, a really stout line. Fred Warner is one of the best linebackers in football. Um, but, again, it comes down to Trey Lance. It comes down to the quarterback position. Is, is it going to be Garoppolo again? I mean, they're saying it's not going to be, that they're going to let him go or they're going to try to trade him. But, again, you know, here we are in June and nobody's biting. So what's that quarterback situation going to look like? I, I don't know. Is Trey Lance any good? I know they spent a second or third overall pick on him, but, didn't get on the field last year. Um, so, you know, until I see how he looks in maybe some preseason games, if he plays preseason games or, you know, how he looks early in the year, it's hard to make any judgment on San Francisco. Yeah, they could be a contender in the NFC, sure. But, I, again, there's just so many questions with 
with that quarterback spot. And, you know, until I see answers, I, I, I couldn't say that they're going to be the team that is going to go to the uh, Super Bowl out of the NFC. The biggest question around the San Francisco 49ers, are they still the San Fran, San Fran tree, the real tree? Sorry, I had to go there. The San Francisco Show tree. my age. <laughs> Show my age. Yeah. Remember that Rice commercial? The San Francisco yeah, tree. Yeah, the San Francisco tree. Going tree. <laughs> yeah. I digress. I remember Carl Talk a little bit about the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, that's right. The, the, the player benefited most from that, this draft with the Ravens was, was Sean Bateman. Bateman is unquestionably the number one wide receiver for Lamar Jackson. After the Ravens traded Marquis Hollywood Brown. Sorry. Uh, yeah, the doors just keep it open, keep opening up for me Ed, to, to the Cardinals. Uh, they didn't use any of their eleven picks to pick up a wide receiver. So uh, Bateman and Baltimore's top pick from a year ago. So there's a lot of flashes there, and he certainly will have get plenty of opportunities with the departure of Brown, uh, with 146 targets, uh, ranked number 10th in the NFL last season. So thoughts on the Baltimore Ravens this year? They're always tough, tough. Yeah, well, they're well-coached, well-run organization. Yeah, they're always kind of in the mix, uh, you know. And, again, it's a quarterback. I hate to keep hitting on the quarterback, but Lamar Jackson, <laughs> he wasn't able to stay healthy last year. I mean, he does a lot in the run game. And that's the problem with these running quarterbacks is, you know, one long hit and you're out for, you know, whatever, a game, two games, the season, who knows. But, uh, you know, so much of that offense is predicated on what he can do. I mean, Rashad Bateman's good. He's got good tight ends. Um, you know, the Andrews, uh, Mark Andrews, a good player. Um, but again, if he if he can't stay healthy, um, it's tough for the Ravens to win. We saw that last year when he went out; they struggled to win, and they couldn't make it into the playoffs. Um, and it's and it's interesting that you know. When you look at the, there's, I get these odds sent to me from the NFL, from different drafts or different yeah. betting sites, and DraftKings yeah. sent out this NFL MVP odds to me, and you know <laughs> Jalen Hurts has a greater odds to win the MVP than Kyler Murray does, or Derek Carr, and Lamar Jackson for the Ravens. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean that Hurts is more talented, but he has a more favorable situation, I think, in the DraftKings' eyes to give Hurts more, greater odds to win the MVP. So, yeah, the Ravens are, are, are a very good, well-run operation. Harbaugh does a great job coaching them. Uh, he's got a good staff of assistants. But, again, Lamar Jackson, you got to stay healthy. And if you're running the ball, you know, 100 times a year or whatever, you know, 10 times a game, that, that's a recipe for injury. And, Absolutely. Uh, and then that, that hurts them. So, you know, you've you got to find that – I've always thought this, You and no, no matter what the team, insert team here, you've got to find that healthy balance between uh, a, a pass game and a running game. Because if you run too much, like you said, there's that, that issue with, with uh, uh, being hurt and your quarterback getting hurt. Just a lot of things can go wrong if you run the ball too much. Now, if you pass the ball too much – if you don't have a high completion percentages, that also is going to hurt the, the quarterback, the quarterback rankings and, and the stats. So you got to find that, that balance. And, and where you find that, I, I guess, is still the silver bullet that all teams are looking for. But you, you would think you find that a combination in off-season pickups, a combination of maybe moving around your current roster and in the draft. Would you, would you say that to be correct? How would you find, if you were to find that perfect balance to say, you got the right amount of run game and the right game amount of pass game to where it, it balances out to where you're supposed to. I, I don't know that that exists, but do you think that's the right combination or the right way to, to, to go about getting that silver bullet? Yeah, I, I think you have to have that balance in your offense for sure. I mean, look at the, look at the Eagles, and I go back to the Eagles again here, because last mm-hmm. year they were the number one ranked running team in the NFL. They had the top ranked rush offense. They were 25th in passing. I mean, that, that's a big disparity, you know, in the running and the passing. And, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts ran the ball. He got hurt. He struggled the last month of the season with a high ankle injury that required surgery in the offseason. Uh, again, these quarterbacks who like to run put themselves at risk. Um, and that's why it's hard to kind of keep that balance uh, in your offense if you're going to lose your quarterback. Um, but, you know, you want a high completion percentage for sure. You want to be able to run the football, but, you know, you have to be able to throw it, and you have to be able to throw it successfully. So, yeah, it correlates with a high completion percentage. If you don't have that, 
then your passing game is going to struggle. And, you know, again, Philadelphia certainly struggled 25th in passing. Now they addressed it in the off season. They brought in a number one receiver and AJ Brown, the team with Devonte Smith, who they think is the number one wide receiver. So now it's all going to come down to Jalen hurts. If he can be the guy to manage that offense and bring that passing offense into a more top 15 realm even if the rushing offense dips down to like number 10, at least you're in balance between your running and your pass at that point. All right. Last, last team here. And I appreciate you sticking around with us, Ed. I know that wasn't part of our original plan, but you know, sometimes in, in live radio, live podcasts, you just make things work. And I appreciate you uh, helping us do that. Let's talk about the Tennessee Titans. Certainly a thorn in my arse uh, being in the AFC South. Uh, there's always <laughs> yeah. something going on with the Titans. You know, it used to be we had their number. We never had to worry about the Titans. But over the last few years, they, we've definitely had to worry about the Titans. And that's probably more on the Colts side than the Titans side. But it is what it is. So the player I think who benefited the most in the draft, there was Robert Woods. And, and, and we, we think about Woods Hasn't even said on the field that it's that field on the field as a Titans player, but it's certainly catapulted into the number one receiver spot, obviously, after A.J. Brown goes to the Eagles. And uh, Brown takes 23% of the Titans receiving yards last season to Philadelphia. So Woods is now likely to get the lion's share of targets from, from quarterback Ryan Tannehill, who targeted Brown, Brown more than any other receiver since uh, taking over as a quarterback in week seven of 2019. Although Woods has a lot of targets in, in, in the – I mean, Tannehill will have a lot of targets in the passing field. It kind of feels like it's going to be a one-man show uh, for Robert Woods, who's going to step into some pretty big shoes to fill on the field uh, with A.J. Brown leaving and, and headed over to Philadelphia. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, that offense always revolves around Derrick Henry and the ability to run. Uh, you know, is Woods as good as Brown? I, I don't – I don't think so. Maybe they're equal. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it's a loss for sure, uh, losing A.J. Brown. Now you're bringing in a new guy who has to learn the new offense and this and that. Uh, you know, it's not continuity that you had with Brown. Uh, but Derrick Henry, you know, uh, he's the guy in the Tennessee, and the Titans are the team that the Colts have to get over. I mean, you talk about getting to the Super Bowl, but you got to win your division first. In my opinion, I mean, you can finish runner-up and still get in the playoffs, but then you're a lower seed. You don't have the home field, this and that. So, you know, it all starts with winning your division. And, you know, the Titans are the defending champs. And have the Colts done enough to unseat them? Uh, I think they, there's a good chance that they have. Uh, certainly the Jaguars haven't. Um, you know, even though I think they'll be better, the Jags. Uh, but, yeah, I think the Titans could be a team that's in for a little bit of a letdown. They were the number one seed in the AFC last year in the playoffs, and they fell on their face just like the Packers did the last two years. So um, I'm not sure they got any better. Uh, and if you're not getting, you know, if you're, if you're staying the same, you're not getting better. And I think the Titans are probably didn't do a whole lot to help them. I know Woods will help, but they lost Brown. Uh, but I don't think they've done much to improve, uh, and I think the Colts did. Well, let's end, the, let's end the show today uh, with two things. Uh, one, what are your thoughts about uh, Alex Mack? He, he announces his retirement after 13 seasons, and certainly uh, former first-round pick of, of the Browns. They've been to seven Pro Bowls and made the All-Pro second team three times. I mean, dude's a beast. Uh, retirement of uh, Alex Mack? Yeah. Good to see the centers get some love. I mean, we're going to go through that in Philly when Jason Kelsey calls it a career. You know, four-time All-Pro player. Uh, you know, now you wonder if Mac might have done enough to get in the Hall of Fame. I, uh, you know, it's a hole for the 49ers. But there's some good centers out there, including the Browns. J.C. Treader's still out there. There's some good free agent centers available in free aid, you know, on the market. Um, but, yeah, it, it, you know, it, it all starts on that offensive line, and it starts right in the middle with the center. Uh, if you don't have a good center, you're going to struggle. So the 49ers have to find a way to plug that because Mac's a big loss. But, yeah, he had a great career. 13 years in the NFL, I mean, that's, that's fantastic. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about Deshaun Watson. That's going to be our firecracker ending of the show. He offered every plaintiff in this case $100,000 as long as they, they, they signed a, a, a non-disclosure agreement. A few of them said, no, we're not doing that because why do we want to not talk about it? And that makes a lot of sense. But there again, you look at it from the business aspect uh, with the Browns and with Deshaun Watson. This has been going on for a while. 
you hate to say pay them off, but these are all of these are are, are civil, not criminal. So, you know, at best, and I, I'm not minimizing what he did, but at best, there wasn't enough to bring, or at worst, however you want to word that, there wasn't enough to bring criminal charges. So civil charges have been going, and they they so. The reason you go for a civil charge is to get some financial compensation and kind of make it hurt in the wallet. We can't make it go to jail. Let's make it hurt in the wallet. It's, it doesn't really matter who who the, the the plaintiff is or who the defendant is. The purpose of a, of a civil suit is to come up with a monetary agreement. That monetary agreement is in place. In, but here's the thing. Business across the world, just looking at the business aspect, just to put the business hat only. I'm in the business world outside of, of this. I mean, we do non-disclosures all the time. That's just part of doing business. And that means you don't discuss the terms of the agreement with anybody, press, what have you. But women feel like, some women feel like, hey, we want to talk about that, and, and nor do I blame them. So, Kenny, would it be beneficial, advantageous? And maybe it's not for when you look at the big picture business, but would it be advantageous for them to remove that non-disclosure agreement? Everybody knows what happened anyway. Play football, give them their money. Everybody just call it a day. But that non-disclosure agreement is keeping this from going away. Good, bad, or indifferent. What are your thoughts? I, I think it's a terrible look for the Browns. I mean, I you know, I look at what, what's going on there, I, I, and I know the Eagles were involved with Watson, and I'm, I'm just really glad they didn't uh, go for this for this guy. I mean, it, it, all you got to do is win games, but there's it goes deeper than that with Watson. I mean, now there's news that he offered a hundred thousand dollars to each of these twenty three women that mm-hmm. were you know yep, filing these, these claims, and um you know they didn't take it because they wanted to be heard and now they're being heard and now there's a 24th person that's joined this whole thing and it just does not look good for Deshaun Watson at all and I know if you're a Cleveland fan and he comes in and wins games that all is well and good um but mm-hmm. again there's going to be a part of that fan base that isn't going to be happy with this even if they're winning games I saw it in Philadelphia when the Eagles signed Mike Vick coming out of prison for killing dogs running a dog ring you know, people just said the heck with the Eagles and they stopped being fans because of Mike Vick and what, you know, that, that stigma around him. And now you have a kind of a serial sexual offender by the look of it, uh, who's coming into Cleveland and some fans are going to be turned off by that. Uh, so I think it's a bad look for Cleveland to have a guy like Watson. I, I just think there's more here than, you know, meets the eye, obviously. And, uh, it's just not a, not a good look at all for this guy. Well, hopefully we don't spend all of our off-season, and well, I know we won't, you and I won't be, but just hopefully this it doesn't dominate the spotlight. You know, I, there's part of me, let's just say, let's just, Watson, maybe you need to walk away from the game because you're a bad look for the, for the team. But in the business aspect, for the Cleveland Browns, like you said, if he's winning games, you know, that's what we're paying him to do. But, you know, you, there's, there's so many different variables, though. We could go into that we're not going to go into Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. And, you know, I want to encourage everybody to go to his his website, check out the Unfiltered uh, podcast. That's pretty good. You guys, uh, let's go to the balance. We'll get there. It's, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Actually, good job on yeah, and check out Ed, uh, Ed Kratz. Uh, but uh, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, our official NFL contributor. Obviously, as we get more and more into the season, we're going to have you on on a very weekly basis, and we'll be breaking down certainly all the all the ins and outs of what goes on in the NFL. You're our go-to source with all things NFL. Where can people find your work in Masterpieces, sir? Yeah, uh, si.com backslash NFL backslash Eagles or at Twitter, Kratzee, K-R-A-C-Z-E. I post all my links. And uh, like I mentioned at the start of the show, Jalen Hurts and his, uh, you know, his very real from the heart uh, plea and uh, feelings about, you know, gun violence in, in the country uh, and in Philadelphia. So, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me, Tom. I appreciate it. Yeah, and we've got that article up on social media as well. I believe you're tagged on it as well. So we, we've got that up already for you, sir. All right, Ed, All right. Have, have yourself a good weekend and uh, enjoy the sunshine if there's any in Philly. There's some here in Indy today. So yeah, oh, there's sunshine. plenty here today. You have a wedding to go to today. Wedding to go to. Uh, yeah, this well, it's, a, it's, a, it's outdoor and it's a beautiful day. So uh, we have a, a good time. We have a, a graduation party to go to today. So 
It's that time yes. of year for weddings and graduation. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Well, enjoy. All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon. Yeah. You got it. Bye. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, our official NFL contributor. Thanks, Ed, for jumping in and uh, helping fill the, the gap, if you will. Uh, Tony had some plumbing issues. Those are never helpful. And I should clarify what I said when I was talking about plumbers and air conditioners. Those people shouldn't have used that phrase. So uh, that wasn't the intent of any type of disgrace, just meaning that when you've got to pay somebody to come and do stuff in your house, that's no fun, but I know that's what you guys do for a living. So uh, no no uh, disrespect meant by using the word those people when referring to air conditioning and plumbers. Just don't, don't, don't flood my my Twitter box for, for saying that uh, uh, you guys are, are a great uh, uh, part of the bar fan base. Uh, my name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Um, you know, I do want to reiterate what Ed was talking about, what Jalen Hurts was talking about. Let's let's all stand together and, and certainly work together on getting proper legislation done that does help keep people safe. But at the same time, uh, this is the United States, and we have something called the Second Amendment. So we, we've got to find that agreement point uh, where, where the, the killing has to stop, especially schools and hospitals, places that are considered safe zones. And I agree with what... Jalen Hurts says those should not be areas that we're afraid to go to. So, uh, yeah, follow that on Twitter. Go to the Eagles at Eagles. They've got a Twitter statement on, on that as well. We support that, and we'll get that up as well. My name is Tom Marquez, El Presidente. Uh, follow us on the Twitter at T-Balance on Facebook, The Balance. And uh, we do this thing called The Balance every Saturday morning. We'll catch you next week. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter for all the happenings. My name is Tom Marcos, El Presidente. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.